welcome to HCC for those of you who are here in person and for those of you who are watching either on Facebook or YouTube we welcome you to join us here this morning we're continuing in a summer series of teaching on the fruit of the Spirit and we've been talking about the different characteristics that God wants to see growing in our lives and just imagine yourself walking through the produce department at Costco and you're there to buy some fruit and you see all kinds of the usual things that you'll buy apples and bananas and, and oranges strawberries blueberries but there are some fruits that get overlooked some of us aren't even aware that these are fruit in the first place so how many figs do you buy on a regular basis or do you ever buy prunes those are both fruits and we don't think about them very much we rarely go out of our way to buy them they are actually forgotten fruits and you know something I think that gentleness tends to be the figs of the fruit of the Spirit we know it's on the list but it's not something that many of us desire we love to seek for peace joy patience kindness in our lives and we think of gentleness and what comes to mind is somebody who's passive somebody who's wimpy somebody that gets walked over and we would never use the word gentleness to describe ourselves if you're filling out a resume you don't write gentle in there no employer is looking for someone who says that I'm a gentle person you write motivated you write ambitious you you write driven that type of thing and if a politician is promoting themselves for office they don't mention the word gentle in there at all athletes they don't win the gentleness award at the end of the year now I have won the most gentlemanly player award and I was actually the roughest player on the team but I was studying to be a pastor so they figured I should get the most gentlemanly award which means playing by the rules and I played by the rules but then if you're hiring an attorney you don't want someone who's gentle you want someone who's a barracuda someone who's going to win that case for you in court so gentleness isn't something we look for in our lives George Barna does all kinds of surveys and research so he listed 30 attributes of or characteristics that Christians have and he put them on a list and then he asked Christians to prioritize them from 1 to 30 and guess what was number 30 on the list gentleness that was the last on the list so why isn't gentleness a fruit that we desire we associate it with weakness we think of a person who doesn't want to climb to the top of the ladder of success or we think of someone who doesn't have the aggressive personality to be able to win they are the people who get walked over in romantic relationships gentle people don't get good parking spots gentleness in a thesaurus gives us words like this mild docile soft and tender and who wants that if you're a newborn baby you want those types of things in your life but we don't want those normally yet consistently in the Bible gentleness is used to describe someone who is full of the Holy Spirit so to have a better understanding of what the scriptures talking about regarding gentleness we need to spend just a little longer on the word 
Gentleness is translated from this Greek word. It's prautes. And that word could be translated in a number of different ways. It could be gentleness and meekness, but it could also be humble of heart. And that's what we're going for. That's what we want. And it's helpful to understand the visual picture that goes along with this word. When we look at the word prautes, the picture the Greeks used was that of a powerful stallion that had to be broken, that had to be taken under control. And when that stallion was broken, when it was tamed, then the reins were handed over to the owner so that the owner could use the horse's power to accomplish his or her purpose. The biblical definition for this word would be power and strength that is under control in order to benefit somebody else. So it's amazing that you can take the reins of that powerful horse and you can actually control the direction in which it is going to go. So that's the picture here. We submit our power and our strength over to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes the reins and he is able to accomplish in our lives what he wants to. Now there's another list in Acts chapter 5. And there's a phrase in there that's actually the opposite, the total opposite of what we're looking at in gentleness. And it comes in this passage of Scripture from the acts of the sinful nature. And earlier in this series, I talked about the fact that before we're going to grow the fruit of the Spirit, we have to actually get the weeds out of the garden. So prautes is the antonym of what we're looking at here. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. So fits of rage, it's just the opposite of gentleness. And the Holy Spirit working through Paul in the New Testament refers to it as outbursts of anger. So gentleness is your frustration. It's your anger under control. Well, fits of rage means it's going to boil over and you never know when you're going to lash out and you're going to hurt someone else. Here are some characteristics of a person who doesn't have the fruit of gentleness in their lives. First of all, they're very defensive. You might say something to them. You don't really mean anything by it, but they take it. Uh, where's my coffee? Uh, but you, uh, you take it as a personal attack. You say to your husband, do you mind checking on the kids? And his response is, what's that supposed to mean? I check on the kids as much as you do. Or then there's the person that tends to be hypersensitive. It's the co-worker that's like a volcano and everybody else keeps their distance because they don't know what's going to set him or her off. Maybe you grew up in a home like that. Maybe it was a mom or a dad. Each step could be a possible explosion. Or sometimes a person can be passive-aggressive. In some ways, they're the most difficult people to deal with because you sense that there's something wrong between the two of you. You ask them about it, and they say, oh, no, there's nothing wrong. And you actually even press it because you can feel something between the two of you. But they say no. And then they work behind the scenes, and they release their anger and their frustration. And the person who isn't growing in gentleness tends to be constantly critical. 
So they're always frustrated with other people's inconsistencies and incompetence. You sit down with them to eat at a restaurant, and they've always got something negative to say about the wait staff. And they're always frustrated with how someone else has done something because clearly they could have done it better. And there's a whole story that goes behind every time I say, let me show you how to do it, because they end up injured, and I've shared that story before. Another symptom of a person who isn't growing in gentleness is they're often just in a bad mood. There's a perpetual scowl on their face, and you ask them what's wrong, and they don't know what's wrong. Our granddaughter Jane experiences this a little bit. Whenever she gets hungry or she's tired, she's just this angry little kid, and she doesn't know why, but we eventually learned to understand it. So there are people that are like that. They're in a bad mood, and they don't know why. So is gentleness a fruit that needs to be growing in your life? Is it something that you need to pay closer attention to? And if you say no to that, if I was to talk to some of the people closer to you, would they actually say, oh, yes, it is? Paul gives us the definition of gentleness, and then he gives us the opposite of gentleness. So here's a more specific way to define gentleness. Turning the reins of your anger and your aggravation over to the Holy Spirit. So biblically speaking, as you walk in step with the Spirit, you turn the reins over to Him, and He's able to control that area of your life that has been just so out of control. So I want to give you a few things that will happen as you keep in step with the Spirit, as Paul talks about in Galatians 5.25. We get our new life from the Spirit, so we should follow the Spirit. So how can you expect the Spirit to grow gentleness in your life? What do you need to do? The first point is obvious, but I'm still going to point it out. As you keep in step with the Spirit, gentleness will grow. A lot of people tend to think of gentleness as a personality trait, as either something that's hardwired into your DNA or it isn't. And they'll say, it's just not what I grew up with. You, you just don't know my family. We're all a bunch of hotheads. I've got a shorter fuse than everybody else. I have this aggressive personality. So they write this fruit of the Spirit off as a personality trait they don't have. But that's not consistent with what the Bible teaches when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. You can use your genetics as an explanation for certain struggles that you're facing in your life, and you can have a predisposition toward a bad temper, but you can't play that it's an excuse to sin card. It just doesn't work with God. Paul talks about putting to death our sinful nature or our natural self. And maybe it's more natural for you to respond in anger than in compassion or to give a sarcastic reaction instead of a sincere response or to be more critical than encouraging. And that's what feels natural to you. But the Bible says that we're to pull the weeds of the sinful nature. So even if you're an aggressive type A personality then, and you're driven, you can't just say it's just the way I am. Instead, you need to surrender that to the Holy Spirit, and from this moment forward, grow gentleness in your life. The idea of keeping in step with the Spirit is the idea of a daily awareness, a constant prayer of, Holy Spirit, fill me. And gentleness isn't something that you can just turn off and on. It needs to be 
a step-by-step walking with the Spirit. And then it will just start to overflow in your life. It will feel unnatural at first, but then it just becomes more natural. I had always hoped that I would have a son that would play hockey, and I failed on that one. And I say I failed. We have three daughters because the man... Basically, there's something about us that decides what the sex of that child will be. But girls can still play hockey, and there are a lot of them that play. And my oldest daughter, Brittany, was a perfect little skater at the age of two and a half. We were in my first ministry in New Brunswick, and the local rink was open to mothers and preschoolers five days a week. And then we moved here, and I was busy getting the church started. There were no free skates like that, so I never got Brittany back on the ice. And by the time she started school, they had a skate at their winter carnival, and she goes, what's this? It was like starting all over again. But now, golf is my favorite summer sport. And that never really caught on with my daughters when they were younger. But then six years ago, my wife started golfing. Last year, a son-in-law. This year, one of my daughters is crazy about it. Now another son-in-law is into it. When we go on family vacations, we usually go and play two rounds of golf. Tomorrow morning, I have two tea times on my day off for family members to golf. So they're just starting out, and most of them are adults other than my grandson, So I teach them how to stand. I I teach them how to hold the club. I teach them the proper posture. And it feels strange to them. And I teach them how to swing, and, and they don't naturally want to do that. But they're reminding themselves each time they go to hit the ball, and they're getting better and better. They're feeling more natural about it, and their scores are starting to get lower. This is how it works in keeping a step with the Spirit. When you become a Christian, things don't change overnight. You don't automatically become a Jesus, but you work on it, you keep in step with the Spirit, and over time, these fruits of the Spirit grow in your life. And things like gentleness become more natural to you. It becomes who you are. As we keep in step, excuse me, as we keep in touch with the Spirit, He will control the words we speak. I have 1 Corinthians chapter 2 here. And we speak about these things, not with words taught by human wisdom, but with words taught us by the Spirit. And so we explain spiritual truths to spiritual people. These fits of rage that I talked about typically show themselves through yelling, sarcasm, criticism, through the words we speak. But if you do a word study on the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, you'll find that there's a constant connection between the Holy Spirit, and how we talk and what we see. So here are some examples. Chapter 2, verse 4 of Acts. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak different languages by the power the Holy Spirit was giving them. So the Holy Spirit empowered them to speak foreign languages that they didn't know, that they'd never studied. Maybe for some of you, the language of kindness, encouragement, and gentleness, that's not a language that you've learned. Your native tongue is yelling and sarcasm and criticism, and maybe that's all you've ever heard. But the Bible teaches that you can surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit, and He can speak the gentleness language through you. And then here are some other examples. I just want to read them. Acts 4.8. 
Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and you elders. And then down in verse 25, You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And then 31, after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke God's word without fear. So these are just some of the references that connect being filled with the Holy Spirit to the way that we speak to one another. So here's what that all means practically. When you talk to the receptionist on the other end of the line, the tone of voice that you use is important. Or maybe the tone of voice that you use with your children or your spouse. Or maybe it's the way that you speak to your employee who made a mistake. Or the words that you choose on the soccer field or in the boardroom. They all have a way of revealing who you are and whether or not you're filled with the Spirit on that day. In 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, Peter actually speaks specifically about how gentleness needs to show itself in how Christians respond in defending their faith or a biblical belief that they have. But respect Christ as the Holy Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to answer everyone who asks you to explain about the hope you have. But answer in a gentle way and with respect. I get concerned sometimes when Christians are trying to speak up for a biblical value that they have, but they're doing it a lot like the people of the world. You read it in the articles that they write or the sarcastic words that they use or you hear their raised voices at protests. But the Bible says that we are to defend our faith, but we are to do it in a gentle way and with respect. They should know we are Christians by our love. There's a song that I learned as a kid, and they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. In uh, Philippians 4, verse 5, Paul wrote, Let everyone see that you are gentle and kind. The Lord is coming soon. Do not worry about anything, but pray and ask God for everything you need, always giving thanks. So power and strength under control, that is the perfect witness for Jesus. Lee Strobel told a story one time about how his gentleness impacted his family. And he said that his daughter Addison was five years old when he became a follower of Jesus. And all she had known in her life prior to that was a dad who was profane and angry. And He said, I remember one night I came home and I was just so mad at life that I kicked a hole in the living room wall. And I'm ashamed to think of the times that Allison hid in her room just to get away from me. But five months after I came to Christ, he said, this is what she came up and said to my wife. She said, Mommy, I want God to do for me what he did for Daddy. And this is what Strobel wrote. Now, what was she saying? She had never studied the archaeological evidence or the fulfillment of prophecies. All she knew was that her dad used to be that way, hard to live with, but more and more her dad was becoming this way. And if that's what God does for people, then sign me up. So your gentleness is going to be a fruit that will attract other people to Jesus Christ. And then finally, When you keep in step with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit teaches us to see people through his eyes. Jesus really lived out that gentleness that we're talking about. You see it all through the Gospels. 
one day he was teaching, and the, a bunch of children started to gather around, and they were getting a little boisterous, a little chaotic, a little loud. And that's usually when a grandmother shouts, Be quiet! And the disciples' nerves were shot. They're frustrated with all these kids, and they can't wait to get rid of them. So they actually start to shoo the kids away. But Jesus, with a smile on his face, he says, No, no, let the little children come to me. And there was another time early in the morning when he was teaching. And he's interrupted by a a mob of religious leaders. And they come in and they push this woman to the ground in front of him. And then they start to shout these accusations at her. And their eyes are just red with fire and they're holding these big rocks. And they're about to kill this woman. And they said to Jesus, we found this woman in bed with another man that wasn't her husband. And the Bible tells us that we can stone her to death. What do you say? And then Jesus put the religious leaders in their place and he shooed them away. And then he and the woman were the only ones left there. So I'm sure that he got down on his knees on the ground where she was and he just kind of lifted her chin a little bit so that her eyes could meet his. And for the first time that day, her, she saw eyes of compassion, not eyes of condemnation. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Now go and leave that life of sin. Another day, Jesus was traveling along the road And he sees a guy up in a tree, and he gets closer, and then he realizes why the guy climbed the tree. Because there's this crowd, the man was kind of short, and nobody would allow him to get to the front where he could see Jesus as he walked by. But Jesus looked up in the tree, and he had a smile on his face, and he said, Zacchaeus, I want to go to your place for lunch today. So Jesus saw people differently. He saw the value of people, and he was able to treat them gently, even when sometimes they didn't deserve it. So a great prayer for you to pray is, Spirit, would you fill me, and would you allow me to see people with your eyes? Just say that prayer throughout the day. And then when you're going to the meeting with that draining employee, or you're having lunch with a high-maintenance relative, you just say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me to see through their eyes. And then when you're driving home from work and you're coming to a household where your kids have a lot of homework to do and you know that your spouse is going to be exhausted, it's just one of those days, you ask the Spirit to fill you and allow you to see your family through His eyes. As you keep in step with the Spirit, it will change the way you look at people. It'll surprise you that the people who used to annoy you all of a sudden... You, you can respond in gentleness. That's the Holy Spirit growing the fruit of gentleness in your life. If you give something valuable and fragile to a person and they treat it carelessly and maybe even break it, even though it says fragile, handle with care in uppercase letters right there on it, Or when someone drops a sharp or heavy object on your nice hardwood floors, you get frustrated because they were careless or they were clumsy. But just think for a moment how Jesus feels and how God feels when they look down at their world, at their creation, and they see us treating his creation 
so carelessly or being clumsy with one another or not being worried about breaking or bruising those around us or when he sees fits of rage or the anger, the yelling, the criticism, the sarcasm, the calling of names being directed at these valuable treasures that he has created. I think it breaks his heart. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4.30, And do not make the Holy Spirit sad. The Spirit is God's proof that you belong to Him. God gave you the Spirit to show that God will make you free when the final days comes. So when we ignore the Spirit in our life, that's when we have the power to actually grieve the Holy Spirit. And one translation says, We make the Holy Spirit sad. Isn't that amazing? So when you yell, when you hurt another's feelings, it's not just their feelings that you hurt. You're hurting the feelings of the Holy Spirit. So keep in step with the Spirit. And as you do, you'll see that over time, you'll start to see this label on the different people in your life. And that label will be fragile. Handle with care. But the great news for you and the great news for me is that this is how Jesus sees us. He sees us as fragile, as he deals with us tenderly. In Matthew 11, Come to me, all of you who are tired and have heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Accept my teachings and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your lives. So if you are weary and wounded, if life has bruised you and broken you, if you've been dropped along the way, Jesus says, just come to me. And he gently extends his arms. And he, if you want to talk to somebody about that, if you want to talk about accepting this Jesus into your life, then come talk to me as we're outside afterwards. Or if you're watching online, you know how to get in touch with us to ask us about a relationship with Jesus and what that entails.